As the 2023 season continued to move on for the Nationals, one thing stood out with me, and that person was Mackenzie Gore. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you all for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Clary. You can catch me over on Twitter at RyanClary11 and as well as the show page at LO underscore Nationals. For all your latest Nationals news and notes, just make sure to check us out over on there. And today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Later on in today's show, we're going to be getting into some relievers as the Nationals. They're going to be signing some uh, big relievers, hopefully this offseason, but Mike Rizzo did kind of allude to that fact at the GM meetings. We'll discuss that a little bit later on as I've got a couple names and as one a former Washington National who could be making his return to Washington, D.C. We're going to discuss that. I'll tell you who that is a little bit later on in today's show. Also, in the second segment, Yohandi, Yo-Yo, you may know him as. Yo-Yo Morales, Yohandi Morales, whichever one you want to go with. The second-round pick from the 2023 MLB draft had a phenomenal first season in the minors, went all the way to double-A, very good, very impactful prospect. Let's kind of break down his season as he was one of the most impressive bats for the Nationals in this minors, really, 2023 season from the Nationals minor league career. <clears throat> also, let's start off here with Mackenzie Gore, because this is kind of something to where, while the season went on, we were all kind of, you know, looking around, trying to figure out who's going to be that next guy to really kind of step up for this Nationals team. Who's going to be that next guy that you could look at and say, well, he could be the next ace that Mike Rizzo and the Nationals organization has developed because we all know Steven Strasburg. Steven Strasburg is a name that Mike Rizzo in this front office that they can say, we developed this guy, we drafted him, developed him, and he was a stud up in the major leagues, winning the World Series MVP, a very good career for Steven Strasburg. But now Mackenzie Gore, he's probably the next prospect up where you could say, this is someone that you can't really miss on. Mackenzie Gore coming out of the draft in 2017, a top five pick out of high school, left-handed pitcher, a big-time pitching prospect, someone who was really raved about on multiple different websites from Baseball America to different YouTube pages, whatever it may be. People were talking about Mackenzie Gore and kind of the upside that he had when the Padres took him in the top five. Going into last year, now, Mackenzie Gore had his struggles in the minor leagues. And also with the COVID season, when you're drafted out of high school in 2017, especially when you're with the Padres, an organization that didn't really have all too much hope at that time being, they've had a ton of bad trades in the past. Really wasn't much going for him. But they had this one guy and it was Mackenzie Gore. The promise that Mackenzie Gore brings to the table, not even just for the Padres back then, but for right now, I think that is something to where you can kind of ask yourself this. It poses this question. Is Mackenzie Gore like the guy 
of a rotation? Is this going to be someone that you're going to want to hand the ball to game seven in the World Series with your season on the line? A championship could be knocking on the other door or also the offseason. And the offseason of which would not be very fun. That's kind of the question I think we should be getting at here. And really, the question I wanted to pose was, how confident are you with Mackenzie Gore being the guy, the ace of this staff? And at this moment in time, if we're talking about ace of the staff, well, I look at an ace and I, I see Max Scherzer. And then you may ask, well, that's insane. You should not see Max Scherzer. But we are Nationals fans. We have watched the Nationals over the years have aces like Max Scherzer, someone who's going to be contending for Cy Youngs after Cy Youngs, someone like Steven Strasburg, who could also be in the mix. And in 2019 with Patrick Corbin, a top five finisher in 2018 in the Cy Young race. The Nationals, they've had the guys over the years, and even dating back to Gio Gonzalez and Jordan Zimmerman. But with Mackenzie Gore here, this is kind of a unique case because he's got the Cy Young upside. In my opinion, there's no doubt about that. But he wasn't developed and really raised here as a Washington National. But over this season, making 27 starts, staying healthy for really the most part of the season, Mackenzie Gore had himself a good, solid first season, first full season up in the major leagues. And I remember one thing that Mike Rizzo said dating back to last year with Josiah Gray. Josiah Gray did not have a good 2022. Did not. It was his first full season in the majors. But even then, Mike Rizzo came out of last year and said, well, he stayed healthy the entirety of the way. Mackenzie Gore, he did the same thing this year. And so what does that really kind of tell you about a young pitcher? Well, number one, it doesn't really tell you all too much, but here's what it does. It gives him a little bit of a taste of what a full, healthy season should look like in the majors, kind of how you prepare. You have that year one under your belt, just as if it's your new job that you got. The first month, you're going to take some lumps. You're going to be late. You're going to have to find different ways to get into work. Whatever adversity comes your way, year one will really kind of tell you, not just yourself, but also the organization, how this person will bounce back from that performance. Mackenzie Gore, he had a lot of adversity over the course of this year. He had blister issues pop up every now and then. And really, those are kind of just injuries that you can't avoid. In fact, I wouldn't even call them an injury, but it is technically. Mackenzie Gore this season, though, as the Nationals guy, he was the guy, in my opinion. Josiah Gray was great. He had a very good stretch over the summer. He was an all-star. But I still believe the upside in the guy that you're going to be talking about maybe a few years down the line, the guy who has Cy Young potential, the guy who has ace kind of stuff, that is Mackenzie Gore. You may not have seen it right away this year, but his numbers and really the preliminary numbers are really good on Mackenzie Gore still having 10 strikeouts per nine innings, his walk rate going down by one walk compared to last year per nine innings as well. Mackenzie Gore flashed a lot of different stuff. Number one, he's going to be able to generate outs by himself, getting those swings and misses like we saw with the Max Scherzer back in the day. He's going to be able to put up some lofty strikeout numbers. Again, 10 Ks per nine innings as your first full season. It's not technically his rookie season. He went past his limits last year at San Diego, but... This was his first full entire season up in the majors, was healthy the entire way, and really was impressive. The only number in which he kind of took a step back in was his home runs per nine innings, is that doubled from last year from 0.9 to 1.8. As a lefty who's going to be throwing a lot of different curveballs, who's going to be really kind of 
iffy when it comes to his fastball. He will not be afraid to try to blow a fastball right by you. At times, you're going to miss. But Mackenzie Gore being so young and this kind of vibrant talent in which the Nationals haven't really had too many pitchers in years past who have come up in this way being a top-notch talent, you're going to get that at times. You're going to get guys who will try to gamble a little bit. Listen, I like to gamble too. I like to put a little money on the line and maybe the odds may stack against me, but it's either something that you'll win or you lose and you learn and you move on. I think Mackenzie Gore and really about rookie seasons in general, that's what this year was about. He learned, he growed. You saw a lot of growth from Mackenzie Gore over the course of this season. He started off the year as one of the better pitchers in the NL East. He really was, but then hit some adversity, walked a lot of guys, gave up a lot of home runs. I think back to that Los Angeles Angels game, a day game, I believe, during the day. And it was kind of a disastrous performance. He walked a lot of guys. That was really his first start in which he wasn't all too impressive. And that was kind of when a lot of people said, oh, no, here we go. Because that kind of happened the same way in San Diego last year. He started off really strong. And then all of a sudden, he kind of fell off a little bit. Mackenzie Gore, he picked up from where he kind of left off, in my opinion, from last year. Now, again, his first full season in the majors this year, you could still look at it and say, well, a 4-4-2 ERA, what is that going to prove? But again, the growth that we will see from Mackenzie Gore, this is not the finished product, and this will not be the finished product. You've already started to see the improvements in the strikeout rate and the walk rate going both in the right direction. There's a lot of different things to like about it. And also his ERA plus, which is up to a 97, a tick below average. But again, compared to his 84 last year, had a 1.4 whip compared to his 1.47 whip just last year. Improvement, improvement, improvement. That is what we saw from Mackenzie Gore. So to go into it, to go into 2024, really, how confident are you and Mackenzie Gore of being the guy of this staff? You could say it's Josiah Gray. You could say maybe the Nationals go out there and sign someone who could be the guy. Maybe. But as far as the guys that we have on this roster right here, right now, I'm placing my money on Mackenzie Gore being that guy. Just from the different stuff that we saw from over the course of 2023. He flashed his curveball. He flashed a nice off speed. He had his fastball as well. Mackenzie Gore had a lot to like about him. And again, the numbers also showed improvement. There's so much to like about Mackenzie Gore. How could you not be confident in him going into 2024 and taking another step up, having a sub-4 ERA, having a 12K per nine kind of stretch there, having a lesser walk rate than what he did this year, allowing less home runs? There's a lot to work on with Mackenzie Gore. And again, go back to what Mike Rizzo said, having that full first year under your belt, having your first full, healthy entirety of a 162-game season. That means a lot for this national team and also the prospect, which is Mackenzie Gore in this case. So I'm confident in Mackenzie Gore now. Does this mean the Nationals should not go out and sign an Aaron Nola if they were to be in the mix or a Sonny Gray or name that starting pitcher? No, they should absolutely still go after one. But Mackenzie Gore and what I saw from this year Don't forget, I'm still confident in him, and I think people should be as well going into 2024. The kid's got the stuff to be that kind of Cy Young contender someday. Truly does, in my opinion. 
Thank you all for making Locked On Nats your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And next, we're going to talk about another really interesting Nationals prospect as this guy, Yohandi Morales, second round pick of 2023. I'm going to be drafted a slugger at the University of Miami. He took his slugging skills and took him to the Nationals farm system. And what did he do this year? He slugged. We're going to tell you about that. But before we get into it, let me tell you guys about our friends over at Jace Medical. And guys, we spend a lot of time talking together. You and I, we get fired up together on wins, losses, who starts and who sits. I'm thankful for that connection that we have. And today, I want our chat to be a little more personal. I just learned that you can get a one-year supply on ED medications. You realize what that means. Bring on extended travel. Bring on the next natural disaster or supply chain issue. You are covered, my friend. You don't have to worry about whether or not you can refill your generics for Cialis, Viagra, or whatever prescription. And this is possible because of our friends at Jace Medical. Go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. Remember to use promo code locked on at checkout for a discount as well. Again, promo code locked on. If you or someone you love would get some peace of mind by having a year supply of any daily med, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Again, jacemedical.com to see if it is offered for you. And remember to use promo code locked on for $20 off your purchase. And now we get back into it and discuss third baseman prospect, Yohandi Morales. Yohandi Morales, second round pick of the 2023 MLB draft, a top 20 talent according to MLB.com, heading into the draft, fell to the Nationals into the second round. And well, thank you that he fell to us in this second round because Yohandi Morales, we know Dylan Cruz is a first round pick. We know what he brings. The Golden Spikes Award winner, the MVP of Division I college baseball. That was Dylan Cruz leading his team to a national championship. Well, you would think that Dylan Cruz would have been the most valuable Nationals prospect down in the second half of the minor league season, right? No, it was Yohandi Morales. And Yohandi Morales, dating back to his time at Florida, even when he was a freshman, the guy killed the ball had an 874 OPS just as a freshman in only 53 games and then in 2022 he killed the baseball again a 1061 OPS and then his last 2023 season at Miami a 1187 OPS a 713 slug in which he was one of the nation's best hitters and in fact he was one of the finalists as well for the Golden Spikes award one of the best hitters in the nation even inside the ACC but this is what Yohandi Morales is going to bring to the table. And there's a big question about whether or not he will stick over at third base. We're going to tackle that on here a little later on. But Yohandi Morales, this was kind of the impactful slugging bat in which the Nationals have so desperately needed in their lineup since, re not releasing, but since trading away Juan Soto and Josh Bell and having guys like Trey Turner and Anthony Rendon walk, having guys like Howie Kendrick retire. You're big slugging guys who are going to plug the gaps, who are going to hit home runs in big situations. The Nationals have been missing that kind of guy since trading away Juan Soto. And really since then, you just haven't had that much impact in this offense. But when you talk about, really, Yohandi Morales or Yo-Yo Morales, whichever one you want to go by here, this is going to be the guy, in my opinion, who we kind of talk about the out-of-nowhere prospect. When we talk about, just last Friday, teams that kind of separate themselves 
from the pack. And what separates a good farm system from a great farm system? Well, a great farm system, they develop guys like Johanny Morales. They get guys who kind of slip into the second round of the draft. You snag them, give them the money, and you also, you give them a good look in really whichever way possible. The Nationals, they showed their cards this year really what they thought about Johanny Morales. Sending him from rookie ball all the way to double A in which, by the way, he still hit the ball at every single level that he was at this season. Johanny Morales, this is going to be the interesting case though because scouts kind of coming into the draft, a lot of people were concerned about whether or not he'd strike out a lot at the major league level. Well, in 42 games this year, he only struck out 36 times over those 42 games from rookie ball all the way to double A. That's impressive nonetheless. It doesn't matter what talent he's going up against. It doesn't matter what talent he was going up against in the ACC at the University of Miami. Striking out that amount of times in those many games, that is already something already that kind of tells you what this hitter is about. He talked about it a lot this year also. He worked on putting the ball in play a little bit more because he knew what the scouts were saying about him. The swing and miss potential was there, but here's the good thing about Morales. It was, again, he improved on this over the course of the season. Something that stood out to me, though, with Morales that I don't think gets talked about enough, and we know this as far as third basemans go here in D.C., Yohandi Morales, scouts raved about his lightning quick hands. MLB scouts raved about them even prior to the draft, prior to even him being a marquee prospect heading into 2023. He's got like these lightning quick hands in which some Nationals fans may be confused as to, well, who who you might be talking about here? Well, that's Anthony Rendon. Anthony Rendon was always known for his quick wrist, had he can get the hands inside the baseball, drive it the other way. And Johandi Morales, now I'm not saying that he is Anthony Rendon. Anthony Rendon was a legit third base prospect coming out of Rice. But Johandi Morales, the scouts kind of raved at, about him and really his hands just the same way they did about Rendon. Now, again, it's different. Rendon was a better prospect and better overall prospect, but Johanny Morales, don't forget about this guy. You may not see him across top 100 prospect boards because, let's be honest, scouts and the people who put these things together, they're usually going to typically tip their hat towards a first-round pick. If a first-round pick's not going to be in there, then likely a second-round pick will not be in that top 100 as well. But I guarantee you this. Heading into 2024, Johanny Morales is going to be on their radar. And really the reason why Johanny Morales will be, well, we talked about the slugging and the power that he had this year, a 917 OPS batting 350. Johanny Morales was always going to be a big home run threat. Hit 20 home runs in 60 games for Miami this year and actually hit 20 in 61 games, my apologies, over the course of this season. But Johanny Morales... He hit zero home runs down in the minors in 42 games. Now, some people may ask, well, is that a little concerning? Should we be concerned about Johanny Morales? The answer is no. He showed abilities to hit balls to both sides of the field. He was getting generating doubles, extra base hits in total because he had 16 doubles in 42 games. He also had four triples, 32 RBIs in those 42 games, all while holding a 494 slug without hitting the long ball. Johanny Morales, he's going to have this long-term power threat. I can guarantee you that. He's going to be able to hit the long ball at the major league level. Only 21, 22 years old, 
still going to develop a little more power, still going to grow a little bit, get into the weight room, probably bulk up just a little bit. But the big question about Morales, it's not about his power because people should not be concerned about him hitting zero home runs this year. In fact, not to say we should be encouraged by it. There's nothing really to be encouraged by it. But one thing to be encouraged by is that his extra base hit threat, he had 16 doubles this year. Meanwhile, he had 13 doubles down at the University of Miami just this last year as well. So in that aspect of it, when the power comes in which it already has come, but when the home run threat comes, just imagine what his numbers are going to look like and imagine the kind of impact that he's going to have. But now again, the question really is, the big ultimate question with Yohandi Morales is, where will he play in the field? Because he was drafted as a third baseman, but we all know Brady House is likely going to be the third baseman of the future. He, as we stand here right now, the former high school shortstop, big athletic guy, and again, is showing a ton of power, one of the Nationals, better prospects in the system, first round pick, a lot of money went his way. He's going to be the guy at third base as we sit here today. He's the better fielder. He's got more potential over at third base. But Yohani Morales is still a good fielder. I still, till this day, this, this year going down to Fredericksburg, a lot of different games, seeing a lot of different prospects. Yohani Morales was one of the more impressive defensive uh, third basemen that I saw this season. And not even just third baseman, one of the better defenders that I saw down in Fredericksburg this year. But what I saw from Yohandi Morales and really what the Nationals told you about Yohandi Morales was they are going to give this guy a shot over at first base. Now, he's not listed as a first baseman now, but he did play 19 innings at first base from Wilmington all the way through Harrisburg. So the Nationals, they're going to try to experiment with Morales, try to see what he can do over at first base. Because as we sit here today, the Nationals, they have zero impact minor leaguers down to play first base potentially. They don't really have anyone that you could say, this is going to be our first baseman of the future, in which you don't really draft first baseman. It's never really been a big thing in Major League Baseball, but still, you can kind of work your way around, guys, whether it be Pete Alonso, who is always going to be a first baseman, or a DH. Guys like that. Yohandi Morales kind of fits that description as far as the power numbers go, as far as someone who's going to be an impact bat. But we didn't really know where he's going to play out was it going to be third base what are you going to do with Brady House then well Yohandi Morales in my opinion I think we're probably going to see him stick at third base just for the immediate future but then I also think he's going to be splitting time at first base I would have to think that has to be the Nationals judgment because you could make the case by this time next year early September of 2024 you could see Brady House and Yohandi Morales up in the major leagues. Now, you don't want to create this log jam and have Morales be over at third base as well as Brady House. It's nice to have both those guys who can play third base if needed, but you also don't want that. You want to account for both these guys for the future, and that's why I think Yohandi Morales, he's going to make more sense to switch over to first base because, number one, he's played there, and number two, imagine having that power hitting Pat over at first base to fill a much-needed hole in this Nationals offense. Thank you guys for making Locked On Nats your first listen. Next, well, Mike Rizzo said he wanted relievers. I got you some relievers here. I'm going to tell you who. And again, a former Washington National after this. Thank you all for making Locked On Nats your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get 
your podcast. So at the GM meetings in which was cut short from a stomach flu, which sucks for everybody involved. Hopefully everyone's okay. But there were some quotes to come out of it as Mike Rizzo caught up with John Morosi from MLB Network and as well as Andrew Golden from the Washington Post. And he alluded to the fact that the Nationals, just like the 29 other MLB teams, will be in the market for some veteran relieving help. Now, I want to get a starter in here first. That is my number one priority as we sit here today heading into this offseason. Well, number one priority as far as pitching goes, considering relievers and as well as starters. I want to get a starting pitcher in the building, a veteran guy who's had success, who has pitched in the postseason. But Mike Rizzo, there's some options and there's some interesting options in which you could go with as far as MLB relievers go. It's not just closers or setup guys. You just want veteran guys who have been there. But knowing the Nationals and kind of knowing the position that they're in, I'm not expecting them to spend big on a reliever. I'm not expecting them to go all in on some reliever who may or may not be some beast of a closer. I'm not really expecting all this, but there are three names that I think could fit kind of the Nationals' role of what they could be looking for. Number one, the flamethrower Jordan Hicks. St. Louis Cardinals, Toronto Blue Jays. Jordan Hicks has kind of had this up and down career. He's always been a lot, there's always been a lot more potential than what there is for really success. Jordan Hicks has kind of been this really polarizing bullpen figure, someone who could be a closer, but has never really panned out to be that guy. Now, being with the Cardinals in the past, always competing for a postseason spot, he's certainly on and is early on in his career was a very good, vibrant kind of closer who you all saw the potential with. But as kind of time went on, you saw a lot of different things. His fastball is getting hit at a rate at which not many people really expected. A lot of different things went wrong with Jordan Hicks, which ultimately led him going to the Blue Jays just this past deadline. But Jordan Hicks is going to be a name that I think the Nationals could kind of go for. It could be that pillow contract as what Scott Boris say. You give him that one-year deal, Decent amount of money for a veteran guy. And hopefully it's going to be a win-win scenario for the Nationals. Either you had this guy who is helping your team down the stretch, contending for a postseason spot, or on the flip side, he's just a really good reliever that you can trade at the deadline. Because Jordan Hicks is still this young, again, vibrant guy who is a polarizing pitcher out there. And come the postseason, someone who has already pitched in the postseason before, Teams are going to be clamoring for guys like him at the deadline, even if it's a blow-up disaster in our face. If he has a 4-5 ERA, he's given up home runs every other outing. Teams will still kind of want someone who has had the experience, who has pitched in big postseason moments, in which the Nationals could then flip him at the deadline. That's kind of the mindset in which the Nationals could be at as we sit here today. And when we talk about guys who they could be on, at this deadline, or really not at the deadline, but as free agency opens here and guys continue to get signed, someone I think the Nationals could also be in on is, again, someone who has had postseason experience and could be back to his dominant form. That is reliever Matt Barnes. Again, postseason experience, veteran, has been in the clubhouse, has been in bad clubhouses, has been in good clubhouses, has been on good teams and bad teams. Whatever you want to look at, Matt Barnes has kind of been through that and again, the Nationals, they're going to be in this market for a veteran guy, not really to necessarily help them win this year, but I think what they could be in for is maybe someone on a little bit of a cheaper deal, someone who has had success 
in the past, but may have had a poor 2023 season in which Matt Barnes, he had an up and down season this year. He's not going to be getting some big lucrative contract as a reliever. Again, we're talking a one-year, three, $4 million deal for someone like Matt Barnes. Now, is he going to want to come to the Nationals? That's another question for another day. But just looking at this and who the Nationals could be interested in, Matt Barnes is an example right there. The Nationals, they just kind of need that veteran presence kind of guy. Carl Edwards Jr. was that sort of this year and as well as parts of last year, but you kind of need that step up. You need someone to really kind of come in here who has played postseason baseball, who knows how to prepare, who knows all the ins and outs of how to win baseball games. Simple as that. Matt Barnes has been on teams like that over the course of his career, really at any destination that he's been at. Matt Barnes has been a positive contributor contributor to that team. Now, here's the third one. Again, a former national. Now, did I just stick this one in there because I wanted to? Maybe. But on the flip side of it, kind of fits that mold in which the nationals could be looking for. And that is reliever Daniel Hudson. Huddy, 2019 World Series champ. Are we talking, are we getting the band back together here? You have Gerardo Parra in the dugout. You're going to have Daniel Hudson in the bullpen here. Some people may already tune this podcast off and say, what are we doing? Why are we throwing this around here? We can't be speculating this. But it kind of makes sense. It makes sense for what the Nationals want. They want someone who has been in the postseason before. They would certainly love to have someone who has closed out Game 7 in the World Series, especially for their organization. Daniel Hudson, multiple knee injuries, kind of screwed him over this year. A torn ACL in the past. Knee injuries over the years. Daniel Hudson's going to be an intriguing name for this Nationals team. I think I would not be surprised to see him, number one, maybe want to come back to D.C. And number two, I wouldn't be surprised if the Nationals wanted to see him back in Washington, D.C. I don't think he's going to be a closer here. I think that ship may have sailed throughout his career, but with Kyle Finnegan, the ups and downs that he has had as a closer, with Hunter Harvey, the limited stints that he has had closing out games, you could certainly see a situation in which Daniel Hudson, who could be 100% healthy entering spring training, having a full healthy offseason under his belt, you could certainly see a case in which Daniel Hudson maybe pushes for that closer spot. And if he does, then it's better for everyone. Because again, you either have a closer that you know is reliable, that you know who's going to pitch well, or two, you have a closer who could be traded at the deadline again, in which Daniel Hudson is going to be a hot commodity for all those reasons, just like the other guys. Because again, postseason experience at that deadline is going to be a key contribution for a team looking to add bullpen depth into their team. Thank you all for making Locked On Nats your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're watching on YouTube, you probably noticed my new little home studio here. We got a Josiah Gray bobblehead. We got a little 2019 thing. And then right there, we got a Max Scherzer card as well. The new Nationals hat, the World Series hat as well, and the World Series banner around here. So check it out over on YouTube and just hit subscribe when you check it out as well. So I'll catch you guys on the flip side. The Nationals, they're going to have an interesting offseason. And tomorrow's show, we're going to continue to talk about this offseason as we continue to push forward to the 2024 season. I'll catch you guys on the flip side. Have a good one.